Hello, Imperfect listeners. Welcome back to the Imperfect Pod. Today, my guest is LT, or also known as Leo, born. Uh, discovered in his early 20s his gift of inspiration and leadership. He founded Open Thought, a nonprofit organization created for youth development in the Turks and Caicos Islands to give the youth a voice and an outlet to express themselves. LT believes creating Open Thought would inspire youth to overcome any circumstances they are facing by creating a platform that displays like minded individuals who have risen above similar circumstances. He is passionate about problem solving, collaboration, and engaging young people in fighting the common threats of their environment, such as violence, poverty, and abuse. Uh, LT shares his vision of a united community that uses love, open thinking, and commitment to make a difference. Uh, And we are going to talk really about what it's like to grow up without a father and the fatherless uh, epidemic. I don't want to say pandemic because it's not a sickness. So, uh, Leo, I appreciate you very much for being here. I'm excited. I'm happy to be here, Luke. I'm really, really excited. I, and I guess you're thinking pandemic because it's become like the new word of 2020. So, it has, no fault, yeah. Yeah, I was like, pandemic, <laughs> epi- oh, it's epidemic. Oh, my Ugh. But, um, yeah, my, my, the first question I always ask my guests is, who's one person, dead or alive, that you'd like to have over for dinner? And what would you cook for them? Wow, that's a very powerful question to start off with. I'm a huge fan of Nelson Mandela, just, to, just for the fact that he served over almost three decades in jail and he was still able to come out with a sense of optimism and, and dedication, you know, to, to, to have gone through what he's gone through and to stay firm in your message and actually evolve through that process. You know, um, he, he's definitely somebody I would like to sit down and really and truly understand his views on humanity because he, he, he lived in an environment where there's so much racial tension and he was able to um, unite people um, through all of that chaos. And so just to, just to hear his views and perspectives and his insight and his advice on how to navigate a world um, where there is racial tension, especially after coming out of a post-Trump administration um, with everything happening in America, you know, I think... That conversation, I, I, I literally wish I could revive him right now and just have that conversation right now because I think it's it's much needed during these mm-hmm. times. So Nelson Mandela definitely would have been the person I, I revive. Perfect. And have you ever read his book, A Long Walk to Freedom? I haven't. Um, I've watched the movie, but I haven't read the book. It's a good one. I, I, yeah, I definitely need to add that to my reading list this year. I, I was fortunate enough to visit Johannesburg one time and oh. I actually went to the apartheid museum, which was pretty cool. I was the experience. Like I hear people who visit there have like this, this life changing perspective. Did you have that? Uh, I hadn't had a life changing one. I'd read a long walk to freedom before going, I believe, or at least uh-huh. um, read half of it. The most interesting part was at the front gate, they give you a ticket that says uh, whites or blacks on it. And whichever mm. card you're given, it gets, it's random. Whichever card you're given, you have to walk that way through the museum and it's different. So I believe oh, wow. I would, I believe I had to walk through the blacks side cause I was given the, the black card. And uh-huh. uh, it was really interesting that you, the, the experience is segregated like that. The whole idea of it is that, if you're black, you go through a different entrance. You kind of have a different experience yeah, than the right. whites. So that was really cool. I wouldn't say it was like super awakening or anything like that, but right. mainly because like I knew about a bit more about his life than because you I read the book. Have. Yeah, because I yeah. read the book. But I yeah. thought it was really cool, and, and that that moment that really sticks out to me of of the the cool aspect of the museum. Man, that's powerful. Yeah, to think of it, you know. Yeah. But uh, I'm really curious now to to get into what you're all about, which I know that based off our, our previous conversation, okay. you know, you're really passionate about um, the fatherless epidemic. And I'm, yes. I'm curious, what brought you to that passion? Um, and we'll get into that before uh-huh. I, we, we dig deeper. Yeah. Um, so in 2018, um, I hit a low 
in my life. Um, I was jobless, um, just came back from university, couldn't find a job. Um, I studied psychology, so I know when you're at, when you're feeling so low, it's, it's always good to um, journal. You know, journaling is a, is, a, is a type of therapeutic intervention. So I started journaling, and you know, while journaling, it, it, I, I was sparked by this idea to speak about or write about the the fatherless epidemic that was happening in my community. And this this, ha- this happened over time, you know, like just I would walk around and I just would notice things because studying psychology, I now came back home with a whole new perspective on life and, and, and people. And I, I started noticing people, prob- my, my friends' problems, and I started seeing, okay, you know, all of us have this one common theme. Like most of us don't have father figures in our home. So I, I noticed this and I, I was like, you know what? I'm not, I don't have a job. Let me put, let me put this time to use. So I, I sat I, for a period of nine months. I just wrote a book about my experience, experiences growing up without a father. And I, and I called that book. It's not a man's world because in my world, no man existed. My household was predominantly led by women. Um, my grand and my and my grandmother, um, she never married, so she she basically carried the household as well. And I I I said, you know, if 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 this is my experience, and I have to overcome so much to to be where I am today, I can only imagine what people uh, around me are going through. And when I wrote that book and I published that book. So many people came to me sharing their stories and ideas, and that just sparked my drive to to speak on this epidemic because it's having such a negative impact on our society. Um, when you look at the prison population, and you can do this within your own city, whoever's listening to this podcast right now, you can do this study yourself because this is this is really evident. If you go to a prison and you ask 10 inmates, if they grew up without their father in their lives, out of that 10, you probably will get about seven to inmates who didn't have their fathers in their lives. Research shows that 90% of people that go to prison are fatherless. So this, this epidemic is having a very negative impact on our society, and nobody is talking about it. And we're not seeing enough interventions. If, if, this, if, if we know that that fatherless, people who come from fatherless homes are prone to violence, prone to um, become nuisance or, or, or um, what's the word I'm looking for? A burden to society. Mm. Why aren't we spreading more light on this epidemic? Why aren't we um, creating more interventions to, to, to impact this? Mm-hmm. So I, my, my goal now is to spread light on the fact that we are living in a fatherless epidemic and it's having a tremendous, a negative impact on our society right now. Mm -hmm. And and I'm really curious because, you know, obviously um, you grew up in the islands. Uh, You're from Jamaica. There seems to be a negative territory. Turks and Caicos. Oh, Turks and Caicos. (laughs) My my apologies. You grew up Turks and Caicos. There seems to be really negative stereotypes about, um, not only African-American communities in America, mm-hmm. but also Canada, Western society, and the, right. the islands, Turks and Caicos. Like, is that something that you personally struggled with? Is, because I know it's not, this is also a problem in, in white homes and, and Caucasian homes. I see it all the time too, is that the father, even if they're present, may not be emotionally present, physically present. So just right. because you grow up in a home that has a father doesn't mean it's uh, a, not a fatherless home uh, right. in, in some aspects. So I'm really curious, what did your research show? What have your personal experiences shown? What is that stereotype? Did you overcome it? Did you work through it? Um, and, and how does that relate to your conversation and, and your, your studies too? Now, when you say stereotype, um, what, what stereotype are you really talking about? Um, if you don't mind yeah. me just yeah. asking further. Yeah. Well, I, I would say like in America, there's a negative stereotype, which is, about African American communities, about just the way that those 
fathers in, in mm-hmm. those communities go to jail more often. And then there's, right. okay. there's like that one. Yeah. So like right. based on your studies of going to jails and asking and perceiving fatherless homes where a lot of those homes or a lot of those people, African-American, because I know there's studies that say like a huge portion of people in prisons in the first place are African-American. African-Americans. Like, right. Right. It's basically like they're robbing the fathers from the home in the first place. Right. Okay. All right. I, I yeah. get it now. All right. So, <laughs> right. All right. So, we all know the history of, of Africans and how they got to the West and um, the things they've gone through, um, especially in America with Jim Crow and mass incarceration, mm-hmm. the war on drugs. Um, the UK, um, they have their history as well. After certain parts of Africa, um, South Africa, apartheid. So we've all known um, or know about struggles of African communities um, globally. There's a, there's a proverb, an African proverb that says that it takes a village to raise a child. But if that village rejects the child, that child will burn the village down to feel the warmth of the, of the community. And that's simply saying that if society rejects someone, they will burn it down to feel some sort of love or warmth from that society. And we've seen, for the past 400 years, we've seen that rejection of African people globally. And they're, they're, they're just trying to cope with that and they're, they're not coping with it in a positive way. You have systemic oppression um, and, and a whole lot of opportunities that's not giving to these people in regards to financial opportunities. And so um, we have to, as a society, recognize this and, and realize that in a capitalist society, um, it's capital that allows us to excel. And when you're not giving capital and opportunities to excel, they're gonna do things to, to cope with the negative emotions that they're experiencing. That, that negative stereotype um, is just, at the end of the day, survival. You know, we all want to survive. We all want to thrive. We all, all want to feel wanted by our society. And if we don't feel wanted, then you're going to get what you're seeing today in these African communities. They, they just want to feel wanted. They just want to feel a part of society. They just want some sort of acceptance. And as the proverb says, if the village rejects that child, that child will ultimately burn that, that village down mm-hmm. just to feel the warmth from that village. Yeah, and that's beautiful. I didn't mean to throw you off with that question. Uh, oh, no, no, I was just trying to understand. <laughs> yeah, 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 don't worry about it, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I'm really curious then, because you, you also said that you grew up without a father. Did you have, how did you learn what it was to be a man? Did you find right. that there was a hindrance to learning what it means to be a man? Because I, I know that there is this, I've, I know of people that talk about the fatherless uh, epidemic and they talk about how that's dangerous because that young son never learns how to be a man in the stereotypical yeah. faction. So I'm in, really interested in, right. in term, de- hearing how you determine that manhood for yourself and, and who taught it to you. Right. So I was fortunate to have um, one of my close friends who had a father in his home. He was probably like, he was probably like one of the few kids that, that did. And I was very fortunate to have him as a friend. And I spent a lot of my childhood inside of his home. And his father would, would um, embrace me and, and, and talk to me and give me life lessons. And he, and he embraced me and, and took me in as one of his own and taught me a lot. Now, regardless of that, I still had to go through a, a few things by myself and learn a few things by myself. And I'm still in that process of trying to become a man. Even though I've written about a, I've written a book and I've talked about it, I'm still overcoming my emotional baggage and, and, and um, um, going through that process of figuring out my manhood. And it's an ongoing process, um, you know, um, especially in society that's taught us to be um, this macho man persona. You, you have to also challenge the toxic masculinity through that process. Um, but one of the things that I had to overcome um, was being a people's pleaser. Um, and, I, and I developed that 
people's pleasing mentality because I felt a lot of rejection earlier in my childhood. You know, I was rejected by my father and then I was rejected by my peers. And when I finally gained some acceptance within my peers, um, I developed the mindset of always trying to please them. And what that was doing, that was taking a lot out of me and leaving me physically drained at the end of the day. So it, it, it was not until I wrote this book that I realized that I had this problem. And now I've been working towards that. I've been trying to do more things that that's more beneficial to me and more happy to me. But again, that's a process. You know, and, and once you're in that process, each year is going to get better. And I can tell you, I can share with you, Luke, that since 2018, I've seen like significant changes in my behavior and also um, my career. Um, so you, you have to be on that process. Um, it's not, don't aim for perfection, aim for consistency. Mm. And and just 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 be consistent with your growth and 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 with your development and eventually you will see those changes. Actually, people will tell you that you've changed, and I think mm. that's that's always music to my ears when people tell me, "Oh, Leo, I can see changes in your physicality, in your mindset, um, in the way you speak." So you have to just work on yourself daily, and eventually you will see the 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 payoff of that yeah and that's interesting that you said that how you like when people say you know leo you've changed because normally yeah. that's a negative context you know it's used against you oh luke you've changed so much oh leo you've changed so much from who you used to be right but like why right like why i, I have this so i have 21 goals for 2021 it just worked out that way and it's all of them are based on consistency, doing daily things to better myself, whether that's reading, going on walks, working out, eating better, uh, meditating. Right. And I learned that it really is about consistency. And that's my, like 2021, I, I view as my year of consistency. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's interesting that you brought that up because I'm looking to change in positive ways, both healthy mindset wise, and hopefully that will help grow my podcast. Make sure you add, um, no fapping as well. That that was a huge. <laughs> I had to put it out here, but that was a huge shift uh, for me as well. So um, I'm a no fapper guy. So uh, just throwing that out there. Yeah, I appreciate that. You should listen to my <laughs> my episode number fifty four. I think I did with a guy who's a porn addiction expert, and we talk a little bit about no fapping. Like, are you in uh, the, are you in the forums and stuff on Reddit or? Um, cause he was talking about how that psychology, like the psychology doesn't really work. Like, because most of the time that addiction is built off of some sort of trauma. Um, uh -huh. but he's like, it works for some people. If you have that, that self-control, that self-power, but I'm I, like, are you in the communities on Reddit or do you just not? No, I, no, I'm not. Um, okay. yeah, but I, I've been doing it since 2017 on and off by the okay. way. But, uh, right. But, um, yeah, I've been doing it for about three years now. And I can tell you that I've seen the, the changes, um, especially in productivity. So it's, it's one of those, one of those things that you can consider. Yeah. So yeah. how I'm curious now, I want to go there. How have you seen it change your productivity? How have you seen it change your life? Because I know that I've talked to guys who say it changes like their testosterone levels. I'm not sure about right. the science behind testosterone and all that stuff, but I'm curious right. about like some of the tangible things that, uh, that you've experienced from that. Right. So for me, I used to be someone who were, who was um, practically lazy in the morning. Like I, I would struggle to get out of bed. Um, since no fapping, getting up in the morning is extremely easy for me. Now, I, I, I don't know how, I don't know the science behind that, but getting up is easy for me. Having energy, like my energy levels some days are through the roof. I, I, can, I can literally go all day. So I've seen that the changes in my energy and also my confidence. Mm. Um, maintaining more eye contact when I talk to people, like I've noticed that change, and um, just just my 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 voice and and my demeanor as well has improved. So I've seen those little changes, but it didn't come after one year. It, it came 
over a period of being consistent with it. So if, if you want to see like the real changes in NoFap, you probably wouldn't notice it within the first year. Mm-hmm. You, you, have to, you have to continually do it. And then you start to notice that, hey, you know, I, I, I feel different. I, I look different. People are interacting with me differently now. I actually have a full beard. That's why I never had a full beard. <laughs> Leo, that might come more from age than it does from... I don't know, but, yeah, but I mean, like, I'm seeing these changes and I'm like, wow, you know, like, I want to keep at it. Like, it's, yeah. it's really cool. Yeah, that's that's interesting because it's it's something that I've seen a lot and kind of seen the results of, including the energy, including some of the confidence and eye contact. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, it's a fascinating one to explore. It seems just because of almost every guy I see out there who's who's big in the masculinity realm is on right. the nofap thing and and how much it can help rewire some of your brain processes and right. uh, it really does train you. It's, it's bad sexually. It's bad uh, in terms of, you know, the way that your mind is wired for um, what's that instant gratification, instant gratification. Right. So it it kind of feeds right. that, that loop, which is negative. Um, so I like that you brought it up. Oh, of course, man. I mean, if you're if you're trying to become a better man, and I know this is the the theme of this podcast, you know, you you have to share some of the secrets. You know? Yeah, like, and, I, and NoFap was definitely one of the things I've been doing along my yeah. journey. So yeah, I'm curious. Did you journal along with it that with that journey so that you noticed those trends, or because I know you talked about journaling earlier? Of course, so, Jour- okay. journal self awareness is is extremely important. Um, throughout this lifetime. If you are going to get better every single year, you need to know who you are and you need to monitor who you are. Um, and a great way to do that is, is, is through journaling. It's therapeutic and it also, it also raises your self-awareness. So um, I journal almost every day. Um, I'm, I'm always writing. I'm always, especially when I'm having a terrible day, I have to write it down. So journaling is is definitely one of the uh, one of the things that I do to um, keep myself grounded and also um, keep self aware. Yeah, I love that because yeah. I have I have uh, notebooks everywhere. I have a problem where I have too many notebooks. So like I same, have same. <laughs> I have like five next to my couch right now, and one like five for di- five different things. One is uh-huh. like for creative writing. One is for a daily like thought dump. One is for a gratefulness gratitude journal. I love one that. Is, one is for um, so every day I I practice being kind to myself. So on yes. I put a I put a post-it note and I, on it is a question: Was I kind to myself today? And I answer just like yes or no. If not, why? If yes, why? Um, yes. To to be. Cause I've always had this, this problem where I've beaten myself up quite a lot on this uh-huh. journey of self-awareness of, of trying being to too hard on yourself, being too hard on myself. Yeah. So one of my goals for 2021 is to be kind to myself. And, and that is part of my bigger category of self-awareness. So I love that you brought that up. Yeah. That's, that's amazing that you've been able to, to point that out within yourself. So yeah, that's, that's amazing. Cause you know, like we are our toughest critics. Yes. Like, yeah, and I think um, that that actually calms down your anxiety a whole lot, knowing that you're actually being your your hardest on yourself in this world. And once you realize that, you're like, yeah, it's okay, I can I can move, I can make these mistakes now. And it, and it makes making mistakes a whole lot easier because when you make a mistake, it's only you that's dwelling on it for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. So you can easily just get over it and just keep going and keep progressing at 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 faster speeds than the normal human being because you have that self-awareness. You can easily make that mistake and get over it and keep going. So I love that. I love that you've been able to pinpoint that you're, you're your toughest critic. I appreciate that. Cause yeah, I've I've never been a perfectionist, but I've always been hard on myself. So it's, it's a weird balance of those two things. (laughs) Love it. it. Um, Another thing I wanted to ask you about was, um, you you talked about how you had a really important father figure when you were younger, your friend's dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
is he still in your life? Like, who do you have now if, if it's not for him? Have you looked for mentors? Have you tried to find new ones? What's, what's kind of your process now? Um, yes, he's still in my life. Um, he was the one that was with me throughout my whole university experience. Um, I chatted with him almost every day. Wow. Um, but uh, apart from that is, um, you know, just for, for my process of mentorship, I would say that um, I'm just taking in as much wisdoms from my elders as possible. I don't have like, like a dad. He's my only real true mentor. Like everybody else I just listen to and just take advice from, but anything personal that I'm going through, I reach out to him, but um, I don't really have no other mentors apart from everybody else. It's just people that pours into me and I listen to them and really take their advice. Um, one thing I notice about um, older gentlemen is that they're filled with a lot of wisdom. So anytime I get in a room with, with guys that's older than me, I tend to just pick their brains and try to gain as much as their wisdom. And they embrace it because they can see that I'm, I'm, I'm listening. And, you know, a, a lot of criticism they give our generation is they, they say that we don't listen or be the know-it-all generation. And so I, I try to um, not buy into that, even though I can Google some of these things. I still want to get their input on a lot of things, um, especially when it comes to um, masculinity and manhood and learning how to be a man. And, and um, you know, they've, they've been through this. They've gone through those emotions. And, you know, I try to take in as much as I can from everybody. Um, everybody's my teacher. Um, life life is is, is um, a journey and we have to realize that everybody along the way is 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 giving us a piece of that puzzle to that journey so i've i've really and truly adapted more of an open-minded mindset and, and that's basically the the method i use to navigate through life and i i, I love that i love how he open you are and i it really stands out to me how much this one man in particular has poured into your life and and even though he wasn't your blood father still you he called you called him or you talked every day like that's yeah insane i can't even imagine that because i i don't even talk to my own dad every day when i was at university <laughs> like i i never called home like i very rarely and you know i now i talk to my dad every day but it's not like life everyday things yeah. it's not, not always that deep so i love the fact that he let he gave himself to be a father figure to you yes. when it wasn't it wasn't you know required of him or, or no. blood and and how and that just goes to show how much if people care they will be there and and i love that yeah and i will honestly say if he didn't care and if he wasn't there i wouldn't be who i am today um i probably would have ended up like another statistics and and brought into the narrow a negative stereotype that exists you know i mm -hmm. probably would have became the num one of those numbers in the prison but he was still through the process he showed me that he cared about me and you know i've i've truly truly benefited from his relationship and he's 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 made me uh, the man that i am today and i am eternally grateful for him for that and for people that's listening and who wants to have a positive impact on this fatherless epidemic, just be that type of mentor, you know, someone who's readily available, who answers their phones, text messages. Um, that goes a long way. Um, mm -hmm. I, I mentor a few young men as well. Um, and whenever one of my mentees reach out to me, um, I'm there. Like recently, uh, one of my mentees, he was trying to get a scholarship and um, I was leaving work and he messaged me and he's like, man, I have a deadline in one hour. I need you to um, go over my scholarship letter um, with me. And so I, had, I actually stayed back after work and I worked on this letter um, with him. And two, three weeks later, he got the scholarship. So it's, it's just being that available to them and they need you. Sometimes they need you at some, 
some weird hours and some weird times, but you have to realize that they have no one else. That's why they're reaching out to you. So mm-hmm. just make yourself readily available for them, and they they're gonna they're you they're gonna it's gonna pay off. Like I didn't know he would have gotten the scholarship, but because I was like, you know what, I, I want to go home. You know, it's it's like when you know when it's nine to five, when it's five o'clock, you want to get off the clock. You know, mm-hmm. but I'm like, this is my mentee. Let me stay back this extra hour or two. Let me get this done for him, and you know, we reap. We, I reap the reward from that. So yeah, um, you have to um, you have to dedicate yourself to it, um, and eventually, for for a long period of time, um, it, it will pay off. Yeah, and and I have a question. Like when it comes to being a mentor, you know, it, I always think that having boundaries is really important. Whether that's right. and you just talked about being completely available, you know in the sense of helping him when there's an hour long deadline, you're available then. Do you talk to him after and say, you know, it's be be more prepared than just an hour before so that you're not in this situation again? Like, how do you use that as a learning lesson to both create boundaries for yourself but and also expectations of your mentor in the future? Because I would think that that would be something that maybe you're looking to do because I, right. I, would, I would hate being kind of, I'd not, I would hate and being I hate always that. available, right? Because it's like I have a life too. But yeah, I'm so I'm curious. Yeah, I and trust me, I I hate doing things last minute, and I always tell them that. Um, but in that scenario, um, I understood. I feel I I didn't ask him why he um, waited so long, but it's it's real that he does that. He's usually one of one of my um, on point students. Like he's usually on point. He's he's ahead of the game, but. And that, and that, on that day, um, he he was he he just decided to do it last minute. I didn't question him because I know that's out of the norm for him. But boundaries, yes, um, you have to establish boundaries. Like for me, um, I tell them, um, ten o'clock, I'm available. If you go over this time, I can't speak to you because. I'm also seeing other clients throughout the day with my with the job I have. So if I if I give you a certain time, you have to be there at that certain time. And I set those boundaries at the beginning of the relationship. Whoever mentee I take on, like you, you have to set those boundaries and let them know. Listen, after six o'clock, after eight o'clock, I am not gonna answer my phone. That's sleep time, or that's. Uh, that's that time. I don't answer my phone um, after a certain period. So if they text me after, let's say, 8 p.m., they're not going to get a text till the following day. So you mm-hmm. have to set those boundaries, and they would understand that too. Now, obviously, emergency, you also have to – if I see someone is calling my phone continuously, I know, okay, this, this is something serious. But um, apart from that, you have to set those boundaries because, again, self-care is important. Um, and that's something, again, I, I, I've been working towards because most of my life, like I said earlier in the conversation, I've been a people's pleaser. And sometimes as a people's pleaser, you pour out too much and you don't have much for yourself. So um, those boundaries help you to, to also have time for yourself to do the things that you want to do. Um, so, yeah, um, still working on it, but um, I, yeah. I try my best to maintain it as much as I can. Yeah. And I love that. I think it's so important. And and when you are a mentor, especially to kids without and young men without fathers, you know, the, the last thing you want to do is, is leave them and be a reminder of, of what that father might've been a disappointment right. or, a, or a, uh, an abandoner or something like that. So I understand like right. always wanted to be available. Um, and that's obviously one of those lessons that is a, is a huge opportunity for you to teach them is, you know, right. sometimes I'm not always available or, but I am always with you. I'm just not always right. available to you and, and how important both of those things are. Yes. One of the questions I had for you too was, you know, you talked a lot about your friend's father and I'm really curious if you might be able to share one or two things that were really powerful that have always stuck with you, uh, what you've learned from him. That no man is perfect. Um, he's always someone that's, that's told me to be my authentic self and don't try to fit, to fit into what people want me to do. Um, he's very, he's a very, very straightforward person, and I've I've learned how to step more into my identity. Um, listen, listening to him, um, 
And, and the second thing is um, living outside of the box. Like that's, that's a message that he's always telling me. Like he's always saying, Leo, get out of the box, get out of the box. And it took me years to truly understand what he meant by that. Uh, and it only hit me, I, I can't say when it hit me, but it only hit me one time. And I was like, out of the box means out of my comfort zone. So more, the more, and I realized the more I stepped outside of my comfort zone, the more I grew intellectually, physically, emotionally, psychologically, that's where most of the growth was. So the things that I was most afraid of, um, the things that made me really, really anxious were the things I needed to do mm. in order to grow. And I think that fear keeps a lot of us from reaching our, our peak in life. And he recognized that I had a lot of potential inside of me. And he always encouraged me to not allow that fear to stop me from reaching that potential. And that, his message, and he's a philosopher like that. He sees, he plays on you like that. He, he, his message was step out of your box, get out of your box. And I, I, I'm, I, when I realized that, I started to do things that made me uncomfortable. And I, again, this is, um, it's something that's been helping me along this journey. And I always, every time I, I reach a, like I get afraid or I have an opportunity in front of me and um, I ask myself, am I putting myself inside the box again? And, when, and once I answer that question, I have, to, I have to get on it. So I realized that the most growth in life comes when you step outside of the box, meaning when you step outside of your comfort zone. So he taught me that valuable lesson also. So being authentic and... Um, stepping outside of the box was two of the biggest lessons I learned from my mentor. I love it because literally this morning I journaled about the comfort zone yeah. box and I'm doing this whole meditation. I think it's a 10 day meditation on resistance. And one, yeah. of the things I, one of the things I most resist is my potential because I'm so, and I'm, I'm trying to work through that. And I'm, is it uh -huh. because I'm afraid of what I can accomplish or is it afraid? Mm. Am I afraid that I won't be able to accomplish it? And so right. like, where does that resistance come from? Why am I resisting these things? Why am I not chasing them? So it's really interesting that you're talking about resistance, the box fear, because I've been writing a lot about fear and resistance lately. So I love that. It's, just so, <laughs> it's so fitting. <laughs> when, nice. when you, when you start to journal, I, I find that you, you realize what dots connect a lot quicker. Like yeah. I, it kind of fills in the puzzle as we were talking about earlier, a lot yes. quicker to a lot of the questions that we might have. And I always tell people who are struggling with emotions, get a journal, man. Um, you might not want to see a therapist right off the bat, but you'll be surprised how much you learn from your journal if you write for for a period or two months and you just read over a few of your notes. You'll be surprised what you learn. So mm -hmm. um, journaling is the most inexpensive way to reach new levels. I agree. I, I had a friend go through a breakup recently and I and he was, said he was having trouble sleeping because uh, he was so emotional at night. And I said, get a journal, word dump before you go to bed. Like uh -huh. just express how you're feeling, leave some tears on the page, uh -huh. give it, give it your all. And, uh, I found it helped a lot with my sleeping when I was like really anxious and couldn't sleep. I felt that journaling yeah. really helped. It does, man. Like I have a late night routine. Um, and two of the most important things I do before bed is meditation and journaling. I do mine so, in the morning, but yeah, either one it, works. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I do some journaling at night, but normally I just close my night with reading. Oh, that's nice too. I love to read yeah. at night as well. Yeah. What's, uh, what's one of the books that impacted you the most? I'm curious. The Four Agreements. Um, simple read, powerful read. Um, being impeccable with your words, not taking things personal, um, giving your best. I can't forget. I can't remember the, the fourth one, but... Um, those things were really important to me um, on my journey, especially not taking things personally because sometimes we do. But I realized that people don't hurt you because of you. 
they hurt you because what they're going through or what they've been through. And once you realize that on this journey, you start to have more compassion for people and also yourself. So learning how to take things, not to take things personally is, is really mm-hmm. one of the keys to your development as a human being. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The four agreements is on my list. I think cause I saw it in your LinkedIn article, go check out LT Leo's uh, LinkedIn <laughs> article. I'll probably link it in the description of this podcast. Uh, his five, four or five books for 2020 that, that really impacted him. So, um, I always love adding books to my reading list. My reading list always gets longer and never gets shorter. I can never keep up. So, um, one th- another thing I wanted to ask you about, you know, we, we kind of hinted uh, and opened up with your book, uh, It's Not a Man's World, How I Conquered the Sins of My Father. I'm really curious now, has your perspective on fatherhood and manhood changed since before writing that book to where you are now? Oh, completely. You know, um, there's no manual for it. And we we all are, are on different journeys, even the children that we're going to bring in the world. And we might have a set idea of the type of parent we're going to be, but we don't know the type of child we're going to get. And so we're going to have to make those adjustments and, and, and try to love this completely different human being, even though he might have some similar um characteristics of you he's completely different and he's on his own journey and you're going to have to find ways to align with his journey and I, my the the perspective i gained from this book was that we we're, we're all on our journeys and um no matter what happens to us we still have to continue whether i whether i choose to stay in that child's life or not that child is still gonna have to go through his journey and make decisions. And my father, even though he wasn't there, um, that didn't take away from the fact that I was still on a journey. And I still had uh, a lot of people around me that was willing to help me, but I had to be open to that help and I had to welcome that help. And so um, just recognizing that and um, making, really embracing it, you know, um, parenting doesn't come with a manual. We can read a thousand books about parenting. We don't know, we don't know the child we're gonna get. So those books are just basically theories. Mm-hmm. You know, we still have to be practical through that process. So I'm realizing now that I don't really have to be a perfect parent. I just need to be an open and consistent one and support my child whenever I do decide to have a family. Mm-hmm. And um, I, 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 I just welcome that process. You know, I, I look at that as a process as opposed to a job or anything else. I just want to really learn through that because that's going to be a whole new learning experience. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, again, like parenting is more so a journey than a task. Yeah. And I, I love your perspective on, on life as a whole. I mean, to see how much you desire and crave self-improvement, societal improvement. I mean, I don't think right. you're going to have any problems looking internally at yourself as a father. And I, I think you're going to be so self-aware that you notice where you're faulting and, and where you're succeeding and how to have those conversations with your son or daughter, I right. think it's going to be a really impactful. And, you know, I think you're a, a very wise young man who uh, is, is set to, to break the chain or I guess break the um, whatever, whatever they say is what well, I can't think of the term right now, but maybe break the chain yeah. of, of, of that kind of trauma where the son or daughter right. grows up without a father. Yeah, yeah, you mean uh, the the cycle? I yes, the cycle. To, yeah, that's what yeah. I was talking about. Yes, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just just break that cycle and um, you know, start a new legacy. You know, a new a new leaf. Um, you know, we all we all have our um, challenges in this life. Um, I think a life without challenges is a life not worth living. Um, we without. I mean, if you just go through life 
perfect, then how how else are you gonna learn? I I don't crave a perfect life. I crave a life that has its ups and downs and gives me the opportunity to see my imperfections as a human being. Because if I had a perfect life, I would I would not think that I was for I had faults. But but seeing, seeing having this life that I've had and the challenges I've I've been through has shown me my imperfections and has brought it's, it's humbled me and, and connected me more to my my human side and so I I embrace the the challenges and I think we all should embrace those challenges whatever they are and however those mountains may how high those mountains may be in our lives you know we. We, we just have to keep trying to climb it until one day we get to the top. And, mm-hmm. you know, we realize that, you know, it was worth it to see that view once we reached the top, that uh, the view of the valley or the, the landscape that we overcame to just sit on that mountaintop. You know, uh, there's, no, there's no better way to end this journey than to reach the top. Mm-hmm. And I think we can't be afraid. Um, we can't be afraid to step outside of the comfort zone and, and climb to higher levels. Um, when you look at a mountain, it's a very scary thing to climb, but the reward is at the top, and we just need to focus on on, on one, being getting there one step at a time and one day at a time. And that consistency, that that one inch a day progress to the top, or two steps a day process to the top. Mm-hmm. You know, we just have to be in the moment of that journey and don't focus on the top, focus on those steps you take daily. And then one day you will get there, but don't be afraid, but you have to continue on that journey. And that's, that's why I said consistency is so key, you know, so just be consistent and, and eventually you'll become the person that you're destined to be. And uh, my mentor taught me that he taught me to be authentic. He taught me to continue to step outside of my box and those are things I carry with me on a daily basis. Yeah, I love it. And then, well, the last question I want to ask you is, what is one message you'd want to leave for your future son, if you had a son? Love everybody. Because it's the hardest emotion we've had to over to achieve in this life. What you see in others is a reflection of yourself. So if you choose love, then you yourself will become love. So don't don't choose hate. Choose love because love is the thing that's most missing in this world today. Mm-hmm. And if we operate from love on a daily basis, then we're actually making this world a better place. And I think Nelson Mandela is the one that said, um, no one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or his religion. People must learn to hate. And if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love. For love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. Yes. I didn't want to butcher that quote, but I knew it was a Nelson Mandela quote because I used to and have that's it on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a powerful quote. I mean, he hit it on the nail. Like, don't learn hate on this journey. Continue to operate from love. And when people show you hate, still show them love. Mm-hmm. Because that's the emotion that's most missing in this world today. That would be my message to my unborn son, son or my future son. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Leo, thank you so much for joining me. I want to give you uh, a minute or two to share what you have going on in your life, where people can find you and how they can connect with you. Yeah. So um, right now I've been doing a lot of blogging. Um, um, I write locally in Turks and Caicos on social issues. Um, I'm also a probation and parole officer. So I work with juveniles. Um, I work with offenders, but my favorite ones is to work with juveniles. I mentor a lot of juveniles. Um, I'm very, very active in social um, activism, um, particularly youths and young men, and um, really and truly getting the resources uh, they need to thrive in this society. Um, You can find me on um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook um, at IMLTBorn. That's my handle, IMLTBorn. 
Um, and then you can also visit my website, um, ltborn.com, where you can find information about my book. And also you can find my blog. So, yeah, that's what I'm into. I'm based in the Turks Caicos Islands. Hopefully one day I can build up my speaker platform so I can start traveling the world and speaking on the fatherless epidemic more. But, you know, that's uh, another step of my journey I'll take uh, later on. But that's my aspiration. Um, but currently um, in Turks and Caicos, writing, being a parole officer and trying to impact social change as much as I can. Yeah. And I love it. I'll link everything Leo just talked about in the description below of this podcast. So make sure to check it out. Uh, Leo, I appreciate you so much for your time, what you're doing in this life and your wisdom and self-awareness and everything about you. Um, I hope one day I can come to Turks and Caicos and meet you in person. So that would be yeah, not man. only good weather, but a good time. <laughs> Oh, for sure. I got you, Jake. Uh, I keep saying Jake. Well, I you keep calling me Jake. This, is, this one's recorded. Everyone, he called me Jake before we started recording, too. I get Jake all the time. If it's not Luke, it's Jake. So, actually, my fake name when I give people, if I don't want to... You got a fake name. Like, if, if I'm talking to someone and I don't like them very much and they ask for my name, I tell them it's Jake. So, I, I don't... Hey, you see? Uh, you're not far off. Luke, thank you... <laughs> Thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, I can't wait to see you in Turks. Um, I got you when you come, so just let me know. I, I will, Leo. I appreciate you. And uh, good night, everyone. I'll see you all for just the tip on Friday. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. As mentioned, I have linked everything about LT, including that LinkedIn article about his favorite books, his social medias, and much more about Leo. You can find all that about him in the description. And then again, if you would just please take 30 to 60 seconds to leave a rating, review, subscribe. Uh, I have my newsletter now, so you can subscribe to that through a link in the description as well as uh, my Facebook group. So please join those. I always like to be in contact with my listeners and hear from them about future topics and just engage with you. So do all that in the description below and I'll see you all on Friday.